Uh, thank you so much, mother-daughter team. So great to be here this morning. Take your Bibles, please, and turn them to Psalm chapter number one. Just before we get into the text this morning, I don't know about your New Year's resolution or things, what you do around New Year's. I I know that heaven doesn't keep the same calendar we keep, right? We know that. Time works differently there. And so we, we try to figure out as best we can what that looks like, but we'll know when we get there. But here on earth, we are beholden to time, and the Lord chose to express creation in a, in a means of time, and, and He moved on 40 days here, and this day that, and a, a year, and, and so elements of time are mentioned all throughout the Bible, and so the Holy Spirit with us here and now does live in us and help us to redeem the time that we have. So here we are at the new year, uh, the, the rearview mirror looking back at 2021, what a year, right? Many of us thought 2020 was uh, long gone with uh, the COVID and all the things, and it just kind of hung around in 2021 with all the new variants and new rules and, and, and the government constantly trying to come up with ways to make our life better. <laughs> um, so uh, that's worked real well. And so um, we, we've just had a, we've had a go of it, haven't we? 2021, a year of significant gain and change for many, a year of significant loss for others. And yet God is faithful. 365 days of the Lord's faithfulness. 365 days in 2021 of new mercies every single morning. And I don't know what this afternoon holds for you or tomorrow or what resolutions you planned or just thoughtful challenges you've made to yourself for the coming year. But uh, I want to encourage you, don't get too worked up about the new year. Get more worked up about the new mercies that God has for you each and every day. When Moses was nearing the end of his ministry with the children of Israel, he got up and, and there and Deuteronomy and, and says to the people, I'm putting two ways before you today. There's a way of life, a way of blessing, and a way of cursing. He drew a line in the sand and said, this is the way to go. The psalm that we're going to engage in this morning in Psalm 1 is that way. And that's what we do in January since I've been here. We've taken the month just to kind of recalibrate a bit, haven't we? Just to recalibrate to our spiritual walk with the Lord, our spiritual disciplines, what it means to be a part, a covenant relationship with a local church, what it means to be ambassadors for Christ who want to share His name across the street and around the world. And so here we are at Psalm 1, and I would just title the message, there were a lot of great titles that could have been put down, but the way of life, it could have been the way of blessing. It could have been the way of prosperity, but that would have made several of us uncomfortable with the prosperity gospel taking over the airwaves this day and age. But it's an accurate title when you look at Psalm 1. So I've chosen to use the word flourishing there as well. Flourishing for the Lord, Psalm 1. It could be seen, this psalm, as introducing key concerns of the whole Bible. It describes two fundamental classes of mankind, sinners and the righteous. The psalmist lays out a lyric 
here a pattern, if you will, of the two paths that emerge of those that will walk with God and those that will rebel against God. There's the way of flourishing, the way of the blessed, and there's the way of the perishing, the way of the wicked. The psalmist brings out beautifully this morning the course and character of both, the conduct of both, and the consequence of both. Before we dive into the way of blessing, let's pray. Father, we're mindful this morning that it's not just another Sunday by many aspects. It's a Sunday for Grace Covenant where we had to park in a different place. It took a little extra effort to get into the building and things were a little different and the weather was working against us for our comfort in that way and Lord, there were just some things this morning that could have easily distracted us and gotten us off of the main thing. And yet here we are, myriad of temptations and distractions competing for the attention of those right now who are holding a screen in their hand or watching on a laptop or even on a television watching the stream right now. All things competing for their attention. Father, I pray that in these moments, we would give our attention to your word and ask your spirit to do a deep and abiding work in us like our lives depended on it. This is more than a New Year's resolution. This is more than a good plan to set out so you can have a successful year. This is not a four little happy hops to blessing kind of message this morning. I don't know how to preach those, but I pray God by your spirit that you would convict and that you would encourage, that you would wound and heal at the same time. We yield to you this morning in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. With your Bibles open to Psalms 1 and maybe you've grabbed that pew Bible, maybe you've gone online. This Bible's open to Psalm 1. I want to talk to you about the way of blessing. It's right up front, the way of blessing. Now, the notes this morning are a, a little wonky. I've got a header, and, and then I've got some, some subtext for you under the header, so it's probably best to just jot a few things down. That's the reason we give you the handout coming in, so there's that blank space in the back where you can jot a few things down, and then you can figure out what you want to put, what's worth putting in your Bible. Uh, flip, there can't be much more room in yours. I've seen pictures. Uh, there's as much ink as there was publisher ink, I believe. Um, that's a blessing. Sarah Louise, I think you mentioned yours is getting close too. It's good to write in your Bible to underline. Let's talk about the way of blessing here. This word blessed means fortunate. Now blessing, there are different words that translators translate blessing. And some are b very big, deep spiritual meanings and, and profound that only uh, God can do. Like when Mary says um, this blessed and highly favored thing that she expressed, that's a different kind of blessed than this person is. The, the word here really speaks to this fortunate and like this settled happiness that's deep in the course of the person. That's what we're looking at here with blessed. So this is the kind of blessing that the world wants. It's the kind that your coworker says when you sneeze. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but bless you, and that's that kind of, we want you to be fortunate. Please stop slinging snot all over the workplace. I'm not sure what that translates to, but this is the way of blessing. Now, it's worth noting that the psalmist does something. It says, blessed is the man, and instead of going with a positive, 
like we parents often do sometimes, he goes with a negative. All the kids in the room are trying to keep their eyes from rolling, right? They're going, yeah, that's my mom and dad. They're always so negative. Um, but that's a way to contrast and to show the blessing of this blessed man. Don't go this way. Listen, let me just tell you something as we're diving into the text. As long as there's so much evil in the world, as long as society looks the way society looks and godliness looks the way godliness looks, listen, godliness will be considered negative by this culture. For those of us who walk according to the word of God, we're the outcasts. Paul even referred to us later on as the off-scouring of the world. <laughs> you don't get much lower than that. That's at the hibachi grill after they've done everything for you at the Japanese place and they're scraping off that the last little crud that's on there from cooking everything. And if you've got one of those chefs that makes all the jokey jokes, he scoops it up and acts like he's going to put it on dad's plate or something. And they go, no, gross. Paul said, we're, that's what we are considered to the world. We're not even worth sitting down. Well, that sounds like a wonderful blessing, pastor. Well, I just want you to know that's what society thinks of us. Live fish tend to swim against the current. Dead fish just float along with the current. Jesus did not call us to hop in bed with culture and to move as fast as we could move and throw the name Jesus out once in a while. No, he called us to run counter, blazing a trail for this all-consuming God who sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for their sins and for ours. What a God, what a picture. What's the character and the conduct of the blessed that we see here. If you're going to flourish in life, right here in the first little verse we see, verse two, or verse one rather, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. The blessed one rejects some things. Now, I don't know if you wanted to start off with a negative, but write a negative times a negative equals a positive. I'll try to keep the math straight this morning. Here we go. The blessed one rejects the counsel of the wicked. I want to tell you, listen, if you're going to live and flourish in life in this year, if you're going to flourish this week, if you're going to flourish today, you're going to have to walk and live a different way than the world does. Adrian Rogers, his own record, is saying this, the thing that makes the church distinct is that she's different. And we ought to look and act and conduct ourselves and speak and consume differently than the world around us. 1 John 1, 5 through 7, this is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. The blessed man, the blessed man or woman rejects the counsel of the wicked. What am I saying? We don't listen to, agree with, or walk in worldly wisdom. We don't do it. Consciously ungodly actions. That's the picture here for wickedness. The consciously, like premeditated acts of ungodliness and counsel that actively pulls you away from God's word. We reject that. We reject that. We say, no thank you. You don't even have to say thank you. You can just say, uh-uh. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The blessed Man or woman rejects the counsel of the wicked. The flourishing have to have, watch this, a different stride. A different stride than 
those that have lowered the standard of what is acceptable and good. The counsel of the world, today's standards have been so lowered to accommodate the lust of the flesh with no regard to God's word. In fact, if you look at the platform for these political movements and parties that are trying to gain influence and the extremists that seem to have all the microphones in culture today and open up your Bible to Romans 1, it looks like that's their Magna Carta. To do everything they can do to deny and rebel against God himself, against God's word, and against God's way. I've got news for you. That's the way of the wicked. And we say, "Uh uh-uh. Nope. Not at our house. Psalm 37, 23, the Bible says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. We reject the counsel of the wicked. Second thing we reject, we reject the way of sinners. The scripture here says, look, we're walking. The blessed man doesn't walk with the wicked and now doesn't stand in the way of sinners. That's conduct that is expressly sinful, clearly ungodly sin. You with me? These are not just, oh, I forgot to read my Bible today, right? We've all done that. I, I forgot to pray as I should have prayed in the fervency. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about missing the mark here. We're talking about acts of commission that are against God. And, and, and the blessed one, if you're going to flourish this year, you're going to reject that. You're not going to stand. You're going to take a different stand than the world takes. You're going to take a different stand from those who do not know the Lord. We're, we're not going to compromise our convictions or the truths of scriptures to placate the busted, disgusted, and not to be trusted. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. We have been born again. The Bible says the Spirit of God has caused us to be dead to sin and alive to Christ. Romans 12, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, that it's good and acceptable and perfect. Second Thessalonians, easy for me to say. Chapter 2, so then brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught. We are going to stand on the word of God, not in the company and in the way of sinners. If you want to flourish this year, you're going to have to go differently than the world goes. Society doesn't need any more woke pastors or woke churches or woke churchgoers trying to go along with a stream of culture where all the death and destruction is heading. We need some men and women of God who will stand firm on the promises that cannot fail. We need some men and women of God who, though the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God, know that we will prevail. We need some men and women of God who will say, uh-uh, no thank you. We're going to flourish lovingly, graciously, gloriously, but unapologetically stand on not your truth or his truth or her truth, but God's truth. This is the word of Almighty God. And if you're going to flourish today, this year, you're going to have to stand on the promises of God himself. The world doesn't need a new definition of Christianity, just a real demonstration of it. Leonard Ravenhill said that years ago, one of my favorite quotes. The blessed one rejects walking with the wicked standing, taking the same kind of stand the sinners takes. And then lastly, right here in this first verse, I won't take this long through all the verses, but this will preach, y'all. 
The blessed one rejects the seat of scoffers. What in the world is the seat of scoffers? Well, besides the alliteration that you know I love as a pastor, they both start with S, so I feel like it's inspired. Uh, It's character that shows up in scoffing words. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. These are boastful, derisive, ugly, unkind, hurtful, scornful words that have been weaponized to hurt the people of God. That's the picture here. Boastful, derisive, ugly, unkind, hurtful, scornful words. Teenagers, listen to me. When you fall to temptation and use that kind of language with your friends or your family, you look more like the wicked than you do like a Christian that sits in church and sings the songs of the church. Adults, you too. We reject the seed of the scornfuls. It's worth noting the downward spiral here. I don't know if you picked up on it, but look at the final stages of the one who's no longer living a separated life according to God's word. They wind up spewing venom. There's no other way to say it. Toward the godly. They've made the godly out to be the enemy. And the blessed man or woman says no. These people choose to walk in the way of the world. They they choose to take stands contrary to God's word. And now they're they're choosing to be truth haters. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, 24, listen, scoffer is the name of the arrogant, the haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, scoffers set a city aflame, but the wise turn away wrath. The Bible says in Jeremiah 15, 17, here's God's response to Scofford. My word will be like fire, like a hammer to obliterate that rock. The flourishing have a different seat in the house and in culture than those who sit in the troublemaker section. You want to be blessed? You want to flourish? Eugene Peterson does a wonderful job as a wordsmith painting an interesting and colorful picture of this text as he paraphrases. Look at it. I've got it on the screen for you. You don't hang out at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along dead-end road, and you don't go to Smart Mouth College. Parents right now have just taken a screenshot of that. That's going to be over the doorpost of their door. I know that. No, but that's the challenge, isn't it, right? If you've observed someone, just walk with me for a moment. If you've seen somebody, you can leave that up, Mark, for just a minute. That's a good one. Um, To quote Ravenhill again, I don't often quote versions I don't like until I like them. Anyway, um, if you observe someone who took the counsel of the wicked, somebody who constantly took advice uh, of the world, and who constantly stood on the wrong side of history. By the way, the culture says that's us, they're wrong. The Bible records what the final pages of history look like. And the Lord wins. And the church wins. And who's on the Lord's side? I am. You are. Okay, sorry. But you wouldn't look at somebody and say, man, they listen to everything the world says. They drink it all in. They get all the information they can from the world. And they love it. Man, they live it out. They stand for the things the world stands. And every chance they get, they run down the church. They run down the pastor. They run down the people of God. They run down the movement of God. Every chance. You wouldn't say of that person, that person, there goes a precious saint of God. 
well, they're blessed and highly favored. No, you wouldn't say that. So if that's how we're not, what then are we for? What distinguishes us? If this is not the course of our life, what then is the conduct of our life? Look with me at verse 2. Let's look at the blessed man or woman and how they relish in God's word. We reject the course of the wicked, but we relish in the word of God. We relish in the word of God. If verse 1 shows how we're separated, then verse 2 shows how we're satisfied. Look, look at it. I'm not going to read the verse, but just take your Bibles and look at it and, and note that he delights in Scripture. He delights in Scripture. You, you enjoy this book. That word in there is interesting. I, I'm not going to parse every word, but it's just beautiful. If you're going to be in the Scripture, that means you've got to hear it. You're going to read it. You're going to study it. You're going to memorize it. And you're going to meditate on it. Wow. If only Grace Covenant had heard that somewhere before, right? And I didn't invent that. Pastor D preached it for years. Get in the Word so the Word can... Good, I hadn't pulled that one out in a while. Great job. But he delights in Scripture. Why would he delight in Scripture? Because he's in love with the author. You know, the Bible takes on a whole new level of meaning and significance in our lives when we love the author. Wow. Look at the passage here. It says, he delights in the law of the Lord. He knows whose it is. And on his law, he meditates day and night. I would suggest to you that he fills his mind with God's word, not with what culture has to say. He turns off Fox News and turns on the word of God. <laughs> that doesn't apply to anyone here. Um, he orders his day around it, day and night. It bookends his day. Wow. Psalm 37, 4, light yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 119, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, O Lord. Psalm 86, 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Hebrews 4, the word of God is sharp. It's living, it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit. That's why when I pray sometimes I say, Lord, wound us and heal us at the same time. Only God's word can do that. I'm surprised, and I know that some of you are, at how many people claim to be a Christian but don't love God's word. I'm struggling with my Bible open to reconcile that. One plus one doesn't equal orange. Right? Some of the kids are going, something's wrong with pastor. Get him a mint. His sugar's low. No, it doesn't make any sense, would it? Would that make sense? No. And, and, and somebody professing to be a child of God who has no appetite for the very words of God, I, I, can't, I can't make that work. What's the consequence of being on this way of life? Well, you flourish. You're like a tree, next verse. The consequence here is that you flourish you flourish like a tree. Look at the text in verse 3. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water that yield its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Wow. What does a tree suggest? Why would the psalmist use that? Well, he uses it to point us to the strength and stability that come from trees in this culture and in the time. In that part of the world, trees were had a big significance. They still are today. My wife loves 
trees, gnarly trees, all kinds of, um, the more wonky the tree looks, the more she loves it. We were in Australia together years ago, and they had these trees that looked like vines had just come up from all over this park and formed a tree. It was just, I don't even know what kind they are. I should have researched that better for the sermon. Had an image for you. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, they were pretty gnarly. There's a, there's a tree called a, um, you, you know this tree, Scotch firs. Um, Scotch fir tree have these massive trunks. They, they thrust out wide, gnarled branches, and they're clothed in, in uh, evergreen, of course. And they look as if they could face anything because they grow fast and big. But here's the problem with Scotch firs. Their roots run parallel and live just under the gravel of the earth. And so the first storm that comes, you've seen pine trees do that. You've seen pine trees kind of, and they'll just snap. Scotch firs are notorious for that. That's not the kind of tree that's described here. We're, we're looking at a tree that is vital. It's a tree. There's vitality implied here. It's planted well near life-giving water. There's vitality and there's stability here. The blessed life is a life that is rooted and anchored in the word of God. It's expressed in a word that means stability. That's the word planted there. It's a picture of being deeply tethered to something that will hold you up in the storm. I don't know what 2022 holds, but I do know this. Storms are a part of life. And Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation. So there may not be another variant of some communicable disease coming out. There may not be any more mandates, but something else will come unglued. Some other thing will blow your way. The question is, where are you rooted? Are you planted by streams of living water? It's vital, it's stable, it's fruitful. It functions just like the designer designed it to function. Look at what it is here, it's fruitful, it's giving out fruit in its season. A and none of those leaves shrivel up, it's consistent, there's a consistency here. And it prospers, there's prosperity mentioned here. The Word of God is both the soil and the stream for this tree. In one aspect, it gives stability and life, and in the other, it refreshes. When we come to God's Word, listen, when we come to God's Word, we view it two ways. Some of you come to this book regularly, not every day, we all have off days, but most days, and the way that you tend to come to it, you see this book as, as life-giving, like rivers of water in a dry place, or, or, you come to this book as burdensome and harsh and unnecessary. What's the difference? Your relationship with the author. Your submission to the author. What's the difference? The blessed man or woman, the blessed young girl or boy delights in God's word and knows, as the psalmist said, that it's sweeter than honey and the drippings of a honeycomb. And, and those that are resisting it fall into that category of Jeremiah the prophet. It's like a fire constantly burning them. It's like a hammer constantly pounding at them. If you desire to flourish in life, in your relationships with others, in your walk as a disciple with the Lord Jesus Christ, then you, you, friend, will delight in God's word. And here's a beautiful thing about how the Lord works. The fact that you want to read it and that you enjoy reading it and that the Lord speaks to you while you read it is evidence that God's at work in your life. 
Isn't that beautiful? The things that we ought to do, God gave us his spirit so we can do. There's not one command on your life in Scripture that you've been given that the Holy Spirit won't enable you to fulfill and walk in obedience. Wow. The way of life is a way of blessing and flourishing. The way of life, it's a course of life that rejects the counsel and the conduct and the conversations of the crowd and open, that openly rebels against God's word. We reject that. The way of life is a way that recognizes and feeds and loves God's word and loves that the Spirit of God has put this love in him for the word of God. The way of life uh, has been marked by prosperity and vitality and stability and fertility. Now, when I talk about prosperity, I don't mean healthy, wealthy, and wise all the time. The prospering Christian will still have a full share of foiled plans, of dashed hopes, and will often see fruit nipped by the frost of life. But the promise is still true. Listen to me carefully. What is prosperity? The psalmist is pointing to something deeper here. The Bible points to something deeper here. It's pointing to these precious men and women, these precious people of God that delight in God's will and that are never hurt. Souls are never hurt by evil. We recognize that when trouble and trial and tribulation comes into our life, even when we are attacked and assailed by the enemy and all the hordes of hell, none of those things have come to us but what have been allowed by our sovereign God and King. And His Spirit is enough. And His grace is enough. And His Word is enough. Wow. I wish I could stop there and just say, that's the way of blessing. Let's all live the way of blessing in 2022. There's another way mentioned here. It's the way of the perishing. Look with me quickly at verses 4 through 6 while we close. Their life is spiraling downward. I mentioned it in, verses, in verse 1. Remember, they, they're considered wicked because of the course of the life, the direction they're headed. They're considered wicked because their offensive actions dominate their will. They want to get everybody to stand with them, contrary to God's word. And their words are scoffing and scornful. Their, their life is spiraling downward. The wicked are not at all like the blessed. They're not at all like the tree. The wicked are not so, the Bible says in verse 4. They're like the chaff that the wind drives away. In the farming techniques of the time, the farmer would place the wheat he had harvested on a stone threshing floor and drive his oxen around it so that they, the hooves of the oxen, would cause that grain to separate from the husk. And then he would get a fork or a shovel of some kind to pitch the grain into the air. And as he pitched the grain into the air, the chaff would be blown away and what hit the ground would be what needed to remain. The chaff represents those whose lives are not rooted in the word of God. Those who take pleasure in rebelling against a holy God. And the word of God, the same word of God that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son to whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The same God, the same Bible that says God is love and we love because he first loved us. The same Bible that tells you all that tells us that a separation is coming in eternity. John the Baptist pointed to the reality of this as he preached about the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear me, church. Watch this. This same loving Jesus that we just celebrated in Advent as that tender baby. Here's what John the Baptist said of him. His winnowing fork is in his hand. 
And this Jesus, Matthew 3.12, will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. There's a way that seems right, but ends in destruction. What you chasing? Verses 5 and 6, Therefore, in our text, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. Let me give you just some quick notes I took out of that as I was reading that. The wicked don't have a leg to stand on when they stand before Jesus as judge. They don't have a seat among the righteous. Do any of y'all remember the day when we walk in restaurants around the Mecklenburg County area and you'd get there and the hosted would, would ask you that question, smoking or non-smoking, right? And you would go non-smoking and if you had sensitivities, you would say, and as far away from it as possible, right? Some of the children are going, what? What does that even mean? What's, what are you talking about? Uh, we had pay phones then too. We had phones. We had crazy time. It's almost like sci-fi. Ask your parents. They'll start it with, once upon a time, but there's no seat available anymore in restaurants, right? They don't say smoking or non-smoking. Like if you walked up and said, I- I'd like to have a smoking seat, they go like, I- they-, they go sit in your car. I don't know what to tell you. There's no seat available among the righteous for the wicked. The Lord knows their path, and the Lord knows they're headed one way, and it's toward destruction. Even though God loves them so much, he's made a way of life available to all. But there are some bent on destruction. It's remarkable how differently these two paths end, isn't it? The blessing, the last text we had on the blessed life ended with the word prosper. The last word we had on the wicked life ends in the word perish. A man named Joseph Flax was visiting Palestine in the early 20th century And he had an opportunity to address a gathering of Jews and Arabs and decided to speak from this psalm. He read the psalm and then he asked the question, who is the blessed man that the psalmist speaks of? This man never walked in the counsel of the wicked, never sat or stood in the way of sinners and never sat in the seat of the scornful. Who is this man that could be an absolutely sinless man? Nobody spoke, so Flack asked the question, was it our great father Abraham? And one older gentleman said, no, it it can't be Abraham. He denied his wife and and told a lie about her. Somebody said, how about the lawgiver Moses? No, no, it can't be Moses. He he killed a man. He lost his temper by the waters of Meribah. Black suggested David. It couldn't be David. He committed both murder and adultery. There was a long silence. And then an elderly Jew arose and said, my brothers... I have a little book here that was given to me recently. It's called the New Testament. I've been reading it. And if I could believe this book, if I could be sure that this book was true, I would say the man of first Psalm is none other than Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Here's the beauty of our life in Christ. For our sake, God made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Julia, would you come up? 
We're going to have a reflection moment, then we'll have communion, then we'll sing some songs. But let's consider and ponder for a moment the beauty of this. For those of us who are in Christ this morning, God gives us Jesus' righteousness. Christ's obedience is credited to our account. That's remarkable. And since Jesus' righteous obedience is imputed to us, then all the blessings of Psalm 1 are mine and yours as well. It might be said this way, the worst of us was laid on him and the best of him was laid on us. Plus, plus, there's a plus here. Plus, we have the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of Christ living inside of us. Christ himself will help us turn away from sin and turn away from the course and the way of the perishing. Christ himself is calling you this morning at the fork in the road to choose the way of life that he purchased with his blood. Young people, as the more I read on what our students especially our young students, middle school and high schoolers, are being assaulted with on a regular basis when it comes to worldview. The more I read about how the way of the perishing and the wicked crops up in personal conversations and magazines and newspaper articles and movies and television shows and on social media feeds, all of these things and others too join their voices in this incessant, pounding, constant cry telling them, rebel. Rebel against God's way. That's old time. That's traditional. That's not going to do anything. That's patriarchal. That's this, that, and the other. That's evil. That's wicked. This is the way of life. Live like this. Enjoy it this way. It's fun. You'll be glad you did. I, I want to tell you this morning, from the heart of a shepherd who's trying to care for the sheep, there's a way that seems right and might look attractive, but the end is destruction. That's not from God. God has offered you the way of life today choose life Christ is calling you this morning to the way of life and it's saturated in the word of God old and young alike God is setting the table for us today and this year to get in the word so the word can get into us with our Bible reading plan as a church family all on the same page that can do remarkable things for us in our conversations, casual and otherwise, as a family. That's what will feed our men's studies and women's studies, the Word of God. Not what other people say about it, but God's Word Himself. The Word of God has to be a central thing here. And we've also got to walk in the Spirit to experience the life and beauty God has offered. Julia's going to play. When she plays, I hope that you will pray. Not just mark the time, pass the time for a moment to move to the next element of service, but ask the Lord to help you to reject the way of the perishing and to relish in the way of blessing. Let's pray.
Lord, as humbly as I know how and as graciously as your power can extend this morning, Father, I pray that you would help us to become hypersensitive to sin. Hypersensitive to those things that will creep up today and Monday and Tuesday and every day and sometimes moment by moment throughout the day that would seek to pull us off the way of life and to hold company and counsel with the way of the perishing. Lord, you, you've called us to be in this world, and we are. We will go to the sinners and go to those who are outside the body of Christ to share the love and the hope and the truth of God's word with them, Lord, but we will not find ourselves in the counsel, in the course, or the character of those who reject the truth of your word. Lord, we won't do that accidentally. It will take a moment-by-moment surrendering to your Holy Spirit. It will take a daily walk that involves worshiping you. First thing, getting up each morning and worshiping you, lavishing our love on you, spending time in your word, not just to check a box for a reading plan, but, but spending time in your word because we love the author. It'll take time in prayer as we pray and confess our sins and our sinfulness and confess our calendar to you that day and and the challenges that we have on our mind. Then, Lord, as we ask you to give us joy unspeakable and full of glory in every moment of the day, regardless of what comes our way, help us to navigate the day with joy. And then finally, Lord, to finish that prayer, that morning time of worship and say, now, Lord, lead me to somebody I can encourage with the gospel and the way of life. These won't happen accidentally, Lord. They'll happen by your grace and by the discipline of your people. Grant it, Lord, for your glory and your honor. In Christ's name, let the church say amen.